We will finish our series on Advent today. And as we have gone through this, we've talked about the promise of His coming. We talked about the promised seed. We talked about the corporate seed, which is the church. We talked about the promise of a new creation that Jesus, when Jesus came, He brought, He ushered in a new creation and a new humanity. This is why we must be born again. We talked about the promise of the King last week and today we're going to talk about the promise of the Kingdom. At the fall, in the beginning, God promised that the seed of the woman would one day come and crush the head of the serpent. That day has come. Christ has come. His birth marked the dawning of that day. His life, His death and burial, His resurrection and His ascension mark His finished work of redemption and the eternal victory of His eternal day. The promise of His coming is the promise of the King to come. And with the King comes His kingdom. The King has come and so His kingdom come. His will be done on earth as it is in heaven. This is the promise of His kingdom. Our text today is Isaiah chapter 9, verses 6 and 7. Read with me. For unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given, and the government will be upon his shoulder, and his name will be called Wonderful, Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Of the increase of his government and peace, there will be no end upon the throne of David and over his kingdom, to order it and establish it with judgment and justice from that time forward, even forever. The zeal of the Lord of hosts will perform this. This is the word of the Lord. Father, open our hearts and open our minds today, and by your Holy Spirit, teach us and show us the King has come And so the kingdom has come. And you have entrusted with us the gospel of this kingdom. And you have taught us to pray, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Lord, help us to pray that. Help us to live that. Help us to work to that end every day for your glory as your people in this earth. We thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Those inspired words were spoken by the prophet Isaiah more than six centuries before the birth of Jesus. Isaiah prophesied that a child would be born, a son would be given, a gift to us from the Father in heaven. And upon the shoulder of this child would be the government. No longer a child, this son, this gift given is the Lord Jesus Christ. And the government will be upon his shoulder. That phrase is a metaphor for one who rules and carries authority. This child born to us, this son given to us, is the king who carries all rule and all authority. He carries the government upon his shoulder. And Isaiah writes, his name shall be called Wonderful. Wonderful describes everything about Him. Christ, the eternal living Word, before and during creation. Christ, the Word made flesh that dwelt among us. Wonder was the expression of the shepherds 
as they experience the angelic announcement of His birth, the wonder of Christ, the common-born, helpless babe in a manger, born of most humble estate. It's a wonder. Jesus, the boy child who grew up to a man, Jesus Christ, the Son of Man, the Son of God, the crucified, risen, exalted, victorious Savior, rules and reigns as Lord and King over all. His name should fill us with wonder, for He truly is wonderful. Counselor, in Him is found all surpassing wisdom and counsel. He is the only wise God, the only wise King of kings. In John chapter 1, verses 1-3, through 3, John writes, He is the Word that was in the beginning. He is the Word that was with God and the Word who is God. This is who He is. This is who this Counselor is. The Word who is God. In the depth of His wisdom and counsel, in all things, all things were made through Him, And without Him, nothing was made that was made. In Colossians chapter 1, He is the image of the invisible God, preeminent over all creation. And by Him, all things were created that are in heaven and that are on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or principalities or powers. All things were created through Him and for Him. And He is before all things And in Him, all things consist. All things are literally held together, is what it says here. From Hebrews chapter 1, verses 1 and 2, we know that God in these last days has spoken to us by His Son, whom He has appointed heir of all things, through whom also He made the world. Christ Jesus is the author, the finisher, the beginning and the end of our faith. He is the source of all wisdom and the one who commands our destiny. Jesus Christ is indeed our great and all-wise counselor. And He shall be called mighty God. In Hebrew, that, that phrase, those two words, mighty God, is El Gabor. It means valiant, strong, powerful, magnificent, Almighty God, Jesus Christ is our El Gabor, our strong and victorious, mighty man of valor. He has eternally conquered all of His enemies and won for us the eternal victory in Him. He has conquered sin and death and He has disarmed all of His and all of our enemies, triumphing over them in the cross and making their defeat in His victory an open show. He has born, He was born in weakness. He conquered in strength. He is our El Gabor, our mighty God, everlasting Father. Jesus proclaimed, He who has seen Me has seen the Father. In John 10.30, Jesus said, I and My Father are one. In John chapter 14, verses 8 through 11, Philip said to him, Lord, show us the Father, and it is sufficient for us. And Jesus said to him, He who has seen me has seen the Father, so how can you say, show us the Father? Do you not believe that I am in the Father, 
in the Father in me, the words that I speak to you, I do not speak on my own authority, but the Father who dwells in me does the works. Believe me that I am in the Father and the Father in me. Jesus declared he and the Father are one. Jesus did not claim that he is the Father, for he is not. Jesus is in the Father, in the Father in him. Jesus is one in substance with the Father. Along with the Holy Spirit, there is one God with one divine will in three persons, Father, Son, and Spirit. Jesus in his eternal Father are one. Jesus and the Father are one. Thus, His name shall be called Everlasting Father. Prince of Peace. Jesus is the Prince of Peace. Long before Isaiah prophesied the Prince of Peace was foreshadowed in a man named Melchizedek, King of Salem, or literally, King of Peace. Salem, Jerusalem. Salem in Hebrew means peace. Melchizedek was the king of peace. He was the priest of God Most High who blessed Abram when Abram was returning from rescuing his nephew Lot. In Hebrews 6.20, we see that Jesus has now become high priest forever according to the order of Melchizedek. Jesus, our Prince of Peace, will one day usher in a day of eternal peace. Isaiah 2.14 describes that coming day when he shall judge between the nations and rebuke many people, they shall beat their swords into plowshares and their spears into pruning hooks. Nations shall not lift up sword against nation, neither shall they learn war any more. That's Isaiah chapter 2, verse 14. That day is not here yet, but that day is approaching, and that day is closer and in manifestation in a greater way than it was when those words were quoted by the prophet. And greater even than when the, ba- the birth of the baby Jesus, the Prince of Peace, happened some 2,000 years ago. Jesus, our Prince of Peace, has provided for His people peace with God. What Isaiah just described, what I just read to you, is what will happen one day on this earth. But what we have right now is a peace that surpasses understanding. You say, well, I don't feel it, Pastor Jeff. I feel pretty unpeaceful, pretty stressed out right now because of everything that's happening to me, everything people have done to me. I mean, we could just make the list right. All of the things that rob us of peace. But the reason I can say and the reason the Scripture says that you have available to you right now a peace that surpasses understanding is because the Prince of Peace has come and He has made peace between God and God's people. He has provided for our perfect peace now and He will in the future provide a world filled with peace at His coming. When the heavenly angels gloriously announced His birth, they declared... Glory to God in the highest and on earth peace, goodwill toward men. And as the Apostle Paul writes in Ephesians 2.14, For He Himself is our peace. Truly, Jesus Christ is 
the Prince of Peace. The King has come, and so has His kingdom. In His names, the names I just read to you, Isaiah gives us a glimpse of Him, a glimpse of this King and of His kingdom. And in the name or the names He shall be called, we can see the King and we can see His kingdom. And Isaiah writes these words that are so very important for us to grasp. Of the increase of His government and peace, there will be no end. His wonder, His wisdom, His power, His paternity, and His peace will continue to increase. You hear that, church? It will continue to increase to the ends of the earth as His kingdom comes and His will is done on earth as it is in heaven. This is what the prophet foresaw when he declared that the earth would be filled with the knowledge of the glory of God as the waters cover the sea. This is the work His church is engaged in. This is the promise of His kingdom. Isaiah gave the prophecy more than six centuries before the birth of the promised child, before the son who would be given. Upon the shoulder of this son, the government does rest. Matthew and Luke record the birth of Christ. They also give record of those who came seeking Him after His birth. The lowly shepherds, The wise men, the magi, and also the evil king and his army sought to destroy this child king. Matthew chapter 2, verses 1 and 2. Now after Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea, in the days of Herod the king, behold, wise men from the east came to Jerusalem, saying, Where is he who has been born king of the Jews? For we have seen his star in the east and have come to worship him. Wise men who knew the prophecies came seeking to worship the child who they knew to be the promised king. With the king came the promise of his kingdom. The evil king Herod sought to destroy the child king. Herod knew the birth of this promised king would mean the end of his rule. The promised king and his kingdom conquers all. It did then, it does now, it will continue to conquer all until He comes and sets His feet once again on this earth. Even now, rebellious men sinfully suppress the truth, seeking to impose their own rule, their own power over all. We are living in a day and an age when we are literally seeing man enforce his unjustified will, his ungodly will upon others. And they will use force if necessary. From that time forward, even forevermore, Isaiah writes, not only will the increase of his government and peace have no end, but upon the throne of David, he will order and establish his kingdom with judgment and justice from that time forward, even forever. This is the promise of his kingdom. From that time forward, those words indicate the time From his birth, the phrase even forever means forever. It means there will be no end. This is an increasing kingdom ordered and established with judgment and justice from that time forward and forever. This is the work of the kingdom we are commanded to do. God promised to set up a kingdom which shall never be destroyed, one that shall stand forever. 
God keeps His word. His kingdom has come. His will is being done. In Daniel 2.44, Daniel writes, And in the days of these kings, the God of heaven will set up a kingdom which shall never be destroyed, and the kingdom shall not be left to another people. It shall break in pieces and consume all these kingdoms, and it shall stand forever. If you read Daniel, if you're familiar with Daniel, you know that Daniel laid out history to King Nebuchadnezzar, and he showed King Nebuchadnezzar, the Babylonian kingdom and the successive kingdoms, the Medo-Persian kingdom, the Greek kingdom, ultimately the kingdom of Rome, which was greater and more terrible than all the others. And Daniel says, he writes, in the days of these kings, and he was writing of a time that would see the Messiah's birth. That time is now over 2,000 years ago. The time Daniel spoke of in the days of these kings was the day and was the time of the birth of Jesus. Christ was born in the days of these kings, and Christ has fulfilled the promise of God to set up a kingdom which shall never be destroyed. That kingdom is still increasing today. This promised kingdom shall not be left to another people. Just as the Babylonian kingdom was inherited by the Persians and the Medes and the Persian and the Mede kingdom was inherited by the Greeks and the Greek kingdom was inherited by the Romans. God says this kingdom, the kingdom of this king shall stand forever and it will not be inherited by another people. We are the people of the kingdom. The kingdom shall never pass to another people. It belongs to us. This promised kingdom will not be left to another people. This kingdom belongs to Christ and His church. The promise is that His kingdom shall stand forever. And history testifies to the promise of His kingdom. What does history show us? History shows us everything is His story. This is what I teach my students in history. History is simply His story. He is the great author as well as the great king. History shows us the promise of the kingdom is true. The power of the gospel is real. And the increase of His government and peace is without end. Jesus is king. And His kingdom continues to come and to overcome. The king and His kingdom call. Do you hear the call? Because the call is there. We must not refuse Him who speaks, but listen to the hope God gives to those who hear and do not refuse Him. Listen to the writer of Hebrews. See that you do not, Hebrews 12, 25-29, see that you do not refuse Him who speaks. For if they did not escape who refused Him who spoke on earth, much more shall we not escape if we turn away from Him who speaks from heaven, whose voice then shook the earth. But now... He has promised, saying, Yet once more I shake not only the earth, but also heaven. Now this, yet once more, indicates the removal of those things that are being shaken, as of things that are made, that the things which cannot be shaken may remain. Therefore, since we are receiving a kingdom which cannot be shaken, let us have grace by which we may serve God acceptably, with reverence and godly fear, for our God is a consuming fire. The things that are being shaken are being removed. Some have already been removed and others are yet to be removed. So that the things which cannot be shaken may remain. 
What does this mean? The writer of Hebrews, under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, tells us it means that we, we today, we are receiving a kingdom which cannot be shaken. We are receiving the kingdom now. It is not we will receive it one day in the future or that it has already been received back then. The scripture teaches that we are receiving a kingdom now which cannot be shaken. And that means just as they received it in the past, we are still receiving it today. And those coming after us tomorrow will receive it in the future. The unshakable kingdom of God will continue to come. The increase of His government and peace will not end until Christ the King finally comes again. And Isaiah writes these words, the zeal of the Lord of hosts will perform this. In other words, we're not ultimately responsible for this. Though we have, by God's grace, been given a part to play in it. The fact that the zeal of the Lord of hosts will perform this does not in any way relieve us of our responsibility to obey God in the work of the kingdom. In the parable of the ten minas, Jesus makes it clear that we are to be busy about the business of the kingdom. Luke 19.13, Jesus said, So He called them, He called ten of His servants, delivered to them ten minas, and said to them, Do business till I come. Some of your translations say, occupy until I come. That word occupy in the Greek literally means be busy about the business. Do business until I come is what Jesus said. Jesus gave that parable to His disciples. He gave that parable to those listening. But He gave it for us today because we hear the parable and we must obey what Jesus said. We must be doing business. We must be busy about the business of His kingdom until He comes. Each servant was judged based on what he did with what the Master had entrusted to him. Do you realize that God has entrusted to us His Holy Spirit, His Word? He has given us the gospel of the kingdom to proclaim and to make known far and wide. And we are commanded to go and to disciple the nations. We are living in a most amazing time. And in fact, I believe we are living in a most amazing place right here in Taylor, Texas. We're living in a day and in a place in which the nations are literally coming to us. We should see the spiritual opportunity this presents to us as we obey God and walk out our faith each day. It is God who saves, but we are commanded to deliver the message of salvation both in word and in deed. We are commanded to make disciples, baptizing them and teaching them to obey all that Jesus commands. We are to be a people busy about the business of His kingdom. We are called to arise and shine, for Christ, the light of the world, has come. Listen to the words of the prophet Isaiah in Isaiah chapter 60. Arise, shine, for your light has come. And the glory of the Lord is risen upon you. For behold, the darkness shall cover the earth, and deep darkness the people. <clears throat> but the Lord will arise over you, and He has. And His glory will be seen upon you, and it is. And the Gentiles shall come to your light, and kings to the brightness of your rising. And they have, and they continue to come. We are those Gentiles that... Isaiah prophesied about six centuries before the birth of Christ. God is moving among the nations. 
God is moving right here in our midst. Do not let the lies of this world blind you to the moving of His Spirit and the work that is taking place in the hearts of men. The world wants us to believe that God is dead, that Christianity is on the decline, and that God's Word is obsolete at best or a useless myth at worst. Let God be true and every man a liar. Here is the truth, Revelation eleven fifteen. Then the seventh angel sounded, and there were loud voices in heaven saying, The kingdoms of this world have become the kingdoms of our Lord and of His Christ, and He shall reign forever and ever. That is the truth. Isaiah forty fifteen and verse 17. Behold, the nations are as a drop in a bucket and are counted as the small dust on the scales. In other words, they don't register. Verse 17, all nations before him are as nothing and they are counted by him less than nothing and worthless. Yet the nations, the world wants you to believe that it is God and his word, his scripture that is worthless in the day and the time we, that we live in. The kingdoms of this world have become the kingdoms of our Lord and of his Christ and he shall reign forever and ever. The nations are as a drop in a bucket compared to Christ in His glorious rule and power. The kingdoms of this world and all the might they might be able to muster are as nothing before the Lord. The promise of His kingdom will not fail. Luke 17, verses 20 and 21, Jesus was asked, Jesus, when will the kingdom come? And Jesus answered, Now, when he was asked by the Pharisees when the kingdom of God would come, he answered them saying, the kingdom of God does not come with observation, nor will they say, see here or see there. For indeed, the kingdom of God is within you. The kingdom does not come with observation, but the kingdom can absolutely be observed. Jesus taught his disciples to pray, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. It does not come with observation the same way we would observe an army marching to take a city. But the kingdom can be observed. It can be seen and known first within us as it grows and becomes manifest through us. The kingdom is observed as it overflows from us into this world. It overflows first to those closest to us and ultimately that overflow will transform and dispel darkness and spread the light of Christ to all. As we ourselves obey his commands and as we teach those we disciple to obey all that he commands. How will this happen? The prophet has already told us the zeal of the Lord of hosts will perform it. He will perform it in our lives and he will perform it through our lives. Out into this world. The spirit of God within us will change the world around us as we ourselves are changed and transformed and conform to the very image of Christ. That change spreads with the spreading of the gospel of His kingdom. Yes, we are to be super spreaders. Don't be afraid of that term. Be a super spreader. Be a super spreader of the gospel of Christ. We are to be super spreaders of His gospel, praying it will be contagious and infectious as we come in contact with those around us. The birth of Jesus, His incarnation in human flesh, 
was an advent, a coming of Jesus. After His death and resurrection and ascension, there was a coming of Christ in judgment of Jerusalem and the nation of Israel in 70 A.D. I'm not saying Jesus physically came and put His feet on the earth, but that was a coming and that's exactly the way Jesus described it. That's exactly the way the Bible described it. And that's when the world ended. The age, the world of the Jews. And we are living in a new world, a new age, a new creation as a new humanity in Jesus Christ, bringing, seeing His kingdom come and His will be done. We are to advance that kingdom. There is a final physical coming and a final judgment of this world yet to come. Until then, there is much work to be done to disciple the nations and to advance His kingdom until the knowledge of the glory of God fills the earth as the waters cover the sea. We are His people called by His name. May we honor Him in all we are and all we do, offering to Him the sacrifice of praise, which is the fruit of our lips giving thanks, offering up our bodies as living sacrifices to Him, which is our reasonable act of worship. We come to His table each week giving thanks and affirming the covenant He sealed with us by His body and by His blood given to us. The grace poured out to us that we are His people called by His name, called to go forth in this world proclaiming the King and proclaiming His kingdom and believing trusting that our lives, our work, our very presence here makes a difference, an eternal difference, even until He comes again. You do not have to be a member of this particular church we call Christ Fellowship. But as a member of the greater church, the universal, the Catholic church, not the denomination, the unseen, invisible church of ages past, present, and future. If you count yourself a member of that church, trusting in Jesus, you're welcome to come to this table. So church, welcome. Welcome to Jesus. Let's all stand. You're charged today. Christ is still crushing His enemies under the feet of His body, the church. That's us. That's true, not because it feels true, not because it looks true. It's true because the Word says it's true. We walk by faith, not by sight. Since His victory at the cross in His death and resurrection and ascension, the kingdom of God has been advancing throughout this world with all the authority of Jesus in heaven and on earth. That too is true not because it always looks true or feels true. It is true because when we look back over the course of history, we cannot deny that truth, that fact. To Him it was given the name above every other name. That name, the name of Jesus Christ, the Son of Man, the Son of God, has been given to us with all the authority vested in that name in heaven and on earth. In His name and in His authority, He has commanded us to go and to make disciples and to see His kingdom come. 
he w- his will be done on earth as it is in heaven until he finally comes again. In his final advent, Jesus will either be our judge or he will be our Savior and our King. I pray you know him as Savior and rest in the promise of his kingdom. Merry Christmas.